my name is Keith. I'm uh, happy to be uh, continuing our sermon series uh, going through the book of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, this morning. So we're going to jump right in with a little bit of a quiz, okay? So my first question is, who is that guy? Does anybody know? Neil Armstrong, right. What's Neil Armstrong famous for? First person on the moon. Okay, good. Our school systems haven't completely failed us yet. We're doing good so far. Okay. All right, let's get a little harder now. And by the way, how many of you knew that, right? Yeah, not everybody. I would really hope. Okay. Uh, Who was the second person uh, to walk on the moon? What was his name? Does anybody know? Buzz Aldrin, right. Uh, Yeah, Buzz Aldrin was the uh, pilot of the lunar module. And uh, a little factoid I learned about him this week, just kind of preparing for this, is you know all those, like, iconic images of the astronauts uh, that you see uh, on the moon? That's not Neil Armstrong. Did you know that? That's Buzz Aldrin. And the reason for that is Neil Armstrong was the guy with the camera, and they figured out how to put a guy on the moon, but apparently put a guy on the moon, but apparently they haven't figured out how to take a selfie yet, okay? So all the pictures that you see on the moon are not Neil Armstrong, they're all Buzz Aldrin. I thought that was really interesting. All right, so how many of you knew that? Let's, uh, how many of you knew that fact before we said the name? Okay, it's a smaller number, right? Okay. All right, now. Who was the third person on the Apollo 11 mission? What was his name? Does anybody know? Michael Collins. Good. Gold star back there. How many of you knew that Michael Collins was the third guy on the Apollo 11 mission before we heard that name? Yeah, very, very few, right? It's a lot, lot uh, less known. And you know, you got to kind of feel bad for the guy, right? I mean, you think about this, like he goes through all of this training and all of this preparation and takes all the risks to be on, you know, part of this historic mission. And then it, when, it, when it was time to go make history, he had to say bye to Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin while they went down to the lunar surface, and he spent the next 21 hours alone in the moon's orbit uh, by himself. Um, and they actually joked, Mission Control joked with him while the lunar landing was going on. They said, uh, you know, you're the only person in the world that can't watch this live on TV right now. <laughs> so he was that close, but he was still uh, that far away. And he also, you know, the other part of, of him is this kind of the morbid part, but they actually had trained him that he was prepared, if he had to, to complete the mission, fly the, fly the Apollo 11 capsule back to Earth by himself, because there was a chance that they didn't know if Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were going to survive. And he had to be prepared to leave them on the moon, either already dead or dying, and he had to return to Earth by himself. So it was also like a heavy weight uh, on him. Uh, but again, you have to kind of feel bad for him, because despite all these things, uh, not many people, he's not as well known as Neil Armstrong. And they actually asked him about this later in life. They said, you know, how did it feel to be that close, uh, but then not get to be the guy um, that, you know, took the first steps? And this is what he said. I think it's pretty profound. He said, this venture had been structured for three men, and I consider the third to be as necessary as either of the other two. And you think about the Apollo 11 mission just in general. I mean, that, that fact is really, you know, tangible for him. But you can expand that out and, and just keep going down the road. You can think about, like, you know, what, all the, what about all the people in mission control that contributed? What about all the people that designed the rocket ships and built the rocket ships and built the space, the, the, the launch pad and all the things and, you know, built the spacesuits and did all the training and did all the programming all the computers and did all the calculations? I mean, all these people had to contribute for Apollo 11 to be a success. That's why when President Kennedy said, he said, it will not be one man going to the moon, it will be an entire nation, for all of us must work together to put him there. And in fact, researchers have looked at this, and they think 
it took the contributions of 400,000 people, 400,000 people uh, to complete the Apollo 11 mission successful. And, you know, some of those jobs got more attention than others. Some of them required different skill sets, but all of them were required as a whole to complete the mission. All of them were required to kind of create, to complete this, this, you know, monumental human endeavor. It took the work of all these people to complete that. And which brings us to our topic this morning, which is spiritual gifts. Uh, because just like the lunar landing took all of the contributions of all these people uh, to complete this, this great achievement, um, there's another great endeavor that requires the contributions from all of its, some of its parts, from all of its diverse parts to accomplish the mission as a whole, and that is the church. So before we get in the Word, I'm going to pray for us uh, this morning. Um, God, I thank you for your Word, Lord. I pray this morning that you just help us uh, see what you want us to see uh, in these passages and just speak to each one of us individually and help us grow closer to each other and closer to you. All these things in your Son's name. Amen. All right, so before we uh, jump in, just a, a couple of housekeep- housekeeping uh, points. Um, the first of which is that my favorite messages that I like to give... I love to go through like line by line by line and like really dive into the details of what the scripture says. I've got 31 verses uh, this morning in chapter 12. I can't do that, unfortunately. So I'm going to kind of be jumping around a little bit. But I would really encourage you at some point this week to sit down and read um, all of chapter 12 on your own. The second thing is, is I don't like taking verses out of order. I kind of feel, to me, I just don't like doing that. Um, but this morning, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach. You see, I'm also a lawyer by trade. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to be trying to build a case for the ultimate conclusion that I'm going to try to give you. And I think, unfortunately, it requires kind of looking at the verses maybe a little bit out of order than what they're presenting. But my goal is to kind of create a step-by-step-by-step logical progression uh, to get us to the ultimate uh, point. And so with that, let's go ahead and jump in. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. It says this, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Like, that's a pretty simple verse. But there's a lot to understand and unpack there. And to, to really understand the depth of that verse, you have to understand uh, kind of a pretty important timeline, okay? And the timeline is this, is that Jesus came to the earth. The Word dwelled among us. Jesus was here living, breathing with us. He called His disciples. He did His work on earth. He was crucified, resurrected, and then He ascended to heaven, Okay? And during that time, he told us two really, really, really important things. And the first is that you have a mission. You've heard of the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples among all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I will be with you uh, until the end of the age. And he's saying, I called you as my disciples. I called you as my disciples to come. And, And we did this work together while I was here. But now I'm going... And this mission is in your hands. And it's kind of cool to think about this, but like those disciples made disciples, and then those disciples made disciples, and those disciples made disciples. And here we are, you know, 2,000 some years later, and that mission has still been continued to us through this progression of this disciple making that continues to happen over the course of the church. And the second thing is, is he says that, you know, I'm leaving. Uh, I'll be back, but while I'm going, while I'm going, the church is in your hands. So 
See, it says in Ephesians 1, uh, chapter, or, sorry, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so when we talk about the church, like the capital letter C, church today, we're talking about all believers all over the world, all believers who have been, who are, and who will to come. And so when we talk about the church, like the, body, the Bible says the church is the body of Christ today. In this time period between when Jesus was here and when Jesus comes back, we are the body of Christ today on earth. And so when Paul writes uh, in verse 27, it says that you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it, like that's a really big deal, okay? That's a really, really, really big deal that we have been entrusted with that. It's in our hands now. And so the first step in kind of understanding how spiritual gifts fits into all this is knowing that we are the body of Christ. Next point starts in verse 7. It says, now to each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And we can jump down to verse 11. All these things are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so the question here is, when we talk about spiritual gifts, who has spiritual gifts? Is it just mature Christians? Is it just special Christians? Is it just the staff of the church? No. It says each one, to each one is given. If you are part of the body of Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are part of the church, you have a spiritual gift. That's the second step of the analysis to say that we each have a gift. Each of us. And so you say, okay, Keith, I'll acknowledge that I have a gift, but what is it? It's a great question. I'm glad you're asking that in your head. And so the thing to think about is that, you know, gifts aren't just something you're good at. Uh, it can be something you're good at, but it's not just because it's just because you're good at something doesn't make it a spiritual gift. I'll give you a really good example, okay? I'm really good at Mario Kart. <laughs> like, really exceptionally good. I would probably beat most of you. I'm confident in saying that. Like, I'm that good at it, okay? Just because I'm really good at it, that doesn't make it a spiritual gift, okay? Do you see how this works? And so, you know... Um, the Bible lists about 20 spiritual gifts. I say about 20 because there's a little bit of interpretation. Some lists you may say, uh, some lists may say there's 22, 23, 18, 19. It's kind of all around that 20, re 20 number. And the reason there's a little bit of confusion about how many there are is there's a, it's, a, it's kind of an interpretation question. Sometimes you'll have a word that's maybe like a synonym of another word, and there's a question, are they talking about the same gift there, or is it actually two different things? But there's general consensus there's around uh, 20 gifts. And here's the ones that are listed. Leadership, administration, teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, discernment, exhortation, shepherding, faith, evangelism, service, mercy, giving, hospitality, and there's a second class in here, uh, and there's, you'll kind of find a debate about you know, whether these next group of gifts, whether they continue in the church today. Uh, and the only thing that I can tell you about this really complicated subject, uh, everything you need to know this morning about that, 
is this one fact. Matt's going to be covering them next week. <laughs> so make sure you come back if you want to hear about those things. Should be an interesting discussion. Um, but if you're sitting here today and you're wondering what your spiritual gifting is, uh, you have a couple options. The first option is to just get on Google and search for spiritual gifts tests. Um, I found a lot of ones that I think are good. I was thinking about maybe recommending one or two, but I, you know, may, I think the best thing to do probably would be just Google it and take a handful. You know, take two, three, four. If you kind of start to see the same things coming back in these tests, there's probably a good chance that that is where your spiritual gift is. Uh, one thing I will say, though, is don't pay for one. Okay. If you pay for a spiritual gifts test, I can tell you your spiritual gift is probably not discernment because there's plenty of good free ones online. Okay. So find a free one uh, and take it. Uh, and the second option is too, and maybe it's not even a, an and or uh, an or. Maybe it's an and. Maybe you probably need to do both of these things. Is just spend some time in prayer and self reflection uh, about this question. Ask God to reveal what are my spiritual gifts and how can I serve uh, the church in them. And I th- I think that's a prayer that God loves to answer. Um, One of the things I like to think about, and and I totally stole this, but I think it's a really good kind of way to look at this, is there's kind of three concepts when you look at what your spiritual gifting or trying to determine what your spiritual gifts are. And the first one is uh, your affinities. And your affinities are the things that you enjoy doing. Uh, Your abilities, which are the things that you're good at doing. And the uh, affirmation, which are things that people tell you that you're good at. When those three circles kind of combine, when you have the areas that are, um, when you have your, your, your affirmations, your abilities, and the things you love to do, where those three things intersect, there might be a good chance that's where your spiritual gifting lies. Um, for me, uh, I think I have the spiritual gift of teaching. I hope so, because that's why I'm up here, right? Um, but I, I just, when I look at this list, like not only just doing this, but I've, I, in one capacity or another, I have led a Bible study pretty much in one form or another for the past 20 years, like nonstop. It's, it's what I do. And I love doing it. Like it excites me, it, engage, it encourages me, I grow in it. It's something that I really enjoy doing. Um, it kind of gives me a spark when I, when I do this. Uh, I think I'm good at it. I think I've had a lot of success watching some of the groups I've been a part of and seeing the growth that happens in those groups. And I've had people say, hey, I really like when you do this. And so for me, that's confirmation that teaching is where that um, gifting lies. Um, now, one thing I do want to say, though, is I went through that list a minute ago. Um, and just because like, the spiritual gifting are the things that you're good at and, and can engage and help the church with, but it's also not a free pass to like not do the other things on the list, okay? Like, you may, um, like, you may have the spiritual gifting of leadership, um, but that doesn't mean that you, you know, don't have to use wisdom, right? Like, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a free pass to not do the other things. You, you know, you can't, um, you can't be good at evangelism but say, well, I just don't have to serve or be hospitable. Like, that's, this is not how this works, but it's about the things that you're uniquely equipped with um, to serve the church. Uh, and one other thing that I will note, um, just maybe a word of encouragement for if there's any uh, uh, maybe college students that are back here uh, this week visiting, um, you're back at home for Thanksgiving, is like when you're young, this is a great time to explore and try to figure out what your spiritual gifts are. Like I'm almost excited for you to kind of go through that and figure that out um, because that's such a fun time in your life when you're kind of exploring that. But when you're young, you, you have the ability to, to, to you know, to to explore and to um, experiment a little bit more than, than when you are when you get old. So if you're young, use this time to explore that and figure out um, where your spiritual gifting lies. All right, so moving on to verse 15. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
it would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And so kind of the third step of this analysis, you see that just like the body needs all of its limbs, all of its organs, all of its parts to function, the church needs all of its gifts to function. The body needs all of its gifts to function, all of them. And you can kind of think about a really healthy church um, and kind of see how this would work. For example, if you had a church, uh, if you had somebody that was really good at evangelism, bringing people to Christ, um, but then that was all they were about, there wouldn't, you wouldn't have the opportunity for the growth and the discipleship and the sharing of wisdom and the knowledge and the teaching and the serving and the hospitality. You see how all these things contribute to grow the entire body as one. You need all of these, all of these functions um, for the church to function, all of these gifts for the, for the church to function. The Bible talks about, there's a story in Acts chapter 6 um, where the apostles are bringing so many people to Christ that they're having a hard time like, you know, still preaching the word but also serving the people in the church. And they recognize, they say, hey, we're going to keep focus on teaching the word, but we're actually going to appoint deacons who are going to help serve the people because we can't do everything. And that's kind of how this works. No one person can do all of these functions. You need every gift to function. Your gift matters. So verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that all the parts should have equal concern for the other. So what we learn here is not only that do your gifts matter, but other people's gifts matter too. No one gift is more important than the other. We can't overvalue our gifts. We can't say things like, well, I get to stand up here in these bright lights with a microphone and make all these people listen to me for 30 minutes, so I must have a special gift, right? We can't do that. That's not how it works, because all of these gifts are equal. No one gift is more important than the other. And just the same way, we also can't undervalue our gifts. We can't look at other people and say, well, their gifts are more important. Their gifts are more important to the church. That's also not how it works. We can't undervalue our own Gifts and, and especially when you're a new Christian, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to do that because you see somebody that you think, oh, well, they're you know they're special, they're doing they're doing great things. I'm not as good at what they are. My gifting is not important. That's not true. And in fact, that leads to apathy because that leads you to think, well, somebody else is going to take care of it. I'll let them do it, and I don't have anything to contribute. And that's false. And the fourth step here is acknowledging that each gift has unique value. So going to the verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices in it. 
And, you know, this point is kind of a simple one, um, but it needs to be said. And it's this, is that if you are not exercising your spiritual gifts and serving the church, we're missing you. We miss you. We need you. We're missing out because you're not contributing to the church. The body is suffering because you are sitting on the sidelines. I am suffering because you are sitting on the sidelines. If one part doesn't participate or one part doesn't do its job, the whole body suffers. And so if we combine kind of all these steps or all these layers, it leads us to this kind of one conclusion that you can take out of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And it's this combined point. It's this. The Holy Spirit gave me unique gifts that the church needs, and I need to use my unique gifts to serve the church. And I was very intentional when I wrote that to use words, me, my, and I, because this is what I really want us to see, is this is about looking inward and trying to figure out what I need to do. My hope is that you can read this statement and take it upon yourself to figure out how am I doing with this statement? Is this true of me? How am I doing with using my gifts to serve the church? Uh, Maybe you're doing great, and if you are, thank you. Thank you for your service. The church needs you. Um, But if you're not... You need to get in the game. That's about as clear as I can say it. You need to step up and serve somehow, some way. And so what does this look like? What does exercising your spiritual gifts look like? And the first thing to recognize is that a great way to exercise your spiritual gifts is to serve in your local church community. And for most of us, that's River Ridge. But if you, if you call another church home, then it's that church as well. Serving in your local church community. We have an amazing staff here at River Ridge. We really do, Right? Can we all agree that they cannot? Yes. It's okay. Yeah, that's okay. We can clap. We can all agree they're amazing. We can also all agree they can't do everything. They really can't, right? And so I'm going to give you um, a couple examples of some serving opportunities that exist. These are not exclusive. These are not all the needs. But I asked Matt before I gave this message, hey, what do you want me, you know, where are the most pressing needs? And these are the ones that he told me. Uh, The first one is we need, desperately need, elementary small group leaders. Uh, Right now we're combining age groups together uh, because we just don't have enough volunteers to break the groups up into the ages that they need to. We desperately need elementary small group leaders. We also desperately need homework buddies at the Second Avenue Center. Second Avenue Center is the place that we partner, partner with down on the west side to, to minister to kids and love on kids uh, down there. And we homework buddies uh, for one hour a week, uh, one day a week, homework buddies go down there, and they just spend time you know, helping the kids with their homework, but really more important, just being present uh, in their lives. We desperately need homework buddies uh, down on the west side. Another good one is we started that Lamplighters ministry uh, a couple months ago. And what this ministry is is a recognition that you know, foster, not everybody can be a foster parent because that's really challenging to do, but about everybody can be in a position to love and support those who are foster parents. And so Lamplighters is a ministry that we're doing uh, to help, help people rally around the foster families uh, in our uh, community. Um, and as I look at the list of spiritual gifts, like to me, that's one that there's a place for every single person on that list um, when it comes to loving people who are foster families. Uh, so there's a link in your bulletin if you want to look to see what's there. Um, there's a serving link on there. Um, you can also go to the sign-up for anything and just look for a place um, to exercise your gifts. Now, one kind of point to, to, to go through is you notice that I didn't say elementary um, small group leaders are a spiritual gift, right? You're like, where is that on the list, okay? 
And this is how this works, is that serving is not the spiritual gift, but the opportunities to serve are where you use your spiritual gifts, okay? You're not going to find, like, a serving position that's a perfect, like, this is my spiritual gift, uh, so this, like, exactly what I need to do. You can use your spiritual gifts in so many different areas, so find a place to serve as a place to uh, use your spiritual gifts. The other thing that's important to say is that, um, you know, while we need you to use your spiritual gifts in the church body, um, it's not exclusive to that. There are places to serve in our community. There are places to serve God's kingdom and aren't necessarily here. The point of this, all I'm trying to say is just find somewhere to serve. Find somewhere to contribute your spiritual gifts in the church body. Um, I want to kind of go through a couple um, maybe questions that people might be asking or barriers in your head. You think, you're thinking like, hey, I'm with you, but I've got some concerns about uh, using my spiritual gifts. The first one um, is, well, what if I fail? Like, I'm really, I want to be involved, but I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Um, and I think there's two important things to realize here. The first is that Jesus tells us that he is going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail, okay? There is nothing that you can do to mess it up that bad, right? Like, I, I count, I've, I tried to count. I think I've maybe given 20, 21, 22 sermons here at River Ridge over the past 10 years. I guarantee you I've said something stupid up here. Maybe even this morning I've probably already said something stupid. Like, I've made mistakes. What? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you in the process of leading home groups for all the years, like, I've made mistakes. But guess what? We're still here, right? My mistakes have not ta- caused this to totally collapse. And I don't want that fear of failure to be a barrier for exercising um, your spiritual gift. Because I think the other side of this, too, is that Satan would love nothing more for you to not exercise your spiritual gifts by lying to you and telling you, you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough for this. You are going to fail. That's a weapon the enemy is going to use to keep us from exercising our gifts. So if you're feeling that, that, that you want to do something, but you're having apprehension because you're fearful, pray to God. Say, God, give me opportunities to use my strengths. Give me confidence to do them. And then just watch how God will use you. But don't let your feel of fear of failure hold you back um, from serving. Uh, the second kind of barrier or the pushback is just a statement to say, well, I don't really have time. And I can't say this, like, it's going to be blunt, but I can't think of a better way to say this. Like, as I go through 1 Corinthians 12, I don't see an opt-out that says, but only if you have enough time to do this, right? Like, if your schedule is so full that you don't have an opportunity to serve the body of Christ in some way, it's probably time to look at your schedule and figure out what you need to think, how you can give time so that you can serve the church. I think this is a universal thing we all have to do. There's not, a, there's not like a, only for the people who have time to do this. I think it's a mandatory thing that we have to do, and time's not an excuse. Uh, the third thing is, the third kind of barrier is, you might be saying, well, I want to serve, but like, like, I need to work through, I need to work through some things first, right? Um, and what I would say to you, if that's your barrier, there may, it is very true that there may be seasons in your life that you need to step back and figure out how to take care of maybe some sin issues or some issues in your life that you're facing. And that's okay to use that time to step back and to kind of work on those things with an idea that you're going to eventually be serving. Um, but the other thing that I would say too is if you kind of feel like you're in a rut or you're kind of feeling like, I'm just, I just, I'm not unsure about things, I just kind of feel spiritually down or I'm just not really sure, 
Like serving may be the thing that gives you a spark. Like that may be the thing that helps you get on a good trajectory and figure things out and, and to get moving is to serve. And so just because you kind of feel down or in a rut, like don't let that keep you from serving because serving might be the thing that you really need in this moment. Um, so I want to kind of conclude with this point is, you know, we talked about uh, the moon landing at the beginning of the message and the comparison about what that looks like and how we use our spiritual gifts. And, you know, my challenge uh, for you this week or just as you move forward is, like, we have a great visual representation in our night sky that we can see, like, all the time, you know? And my hope is, is that when you see the moon, you take a second and first kind of ponder and say, wow, that's pretty incredible that we put somebody there, right? That took, that took a lot of effort. That took a lot of people working together for a mission to make that happen. But in doing that, you also remember that carrying out the work of Jesus today requires incredible amount of effort. And that's probably the absolute most important thing that any of us are going to be a part of is being part of the church. And so I want you, when you see the moon, to think about, to ask yourself that question. How am I using my gifts to get us there? How am I using my, my gifts to complete this mission uh, that we have given? And use that as a time for self-reflection and to prompt God and say, God, help me measure how I'm doing myself. Help me find places uh, to serve. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Um, I thank you first for this, the church that you have created and this, this, this body that we all get to be a part of and to serve uh, and just be your hands and feet um, uh, today, God. And Lord, I pray, um, I, I pray first that you just help us figure out um, what our gifts are and where you call us to serve uniquely uh, in your body, God. And then second, Lord, I, I pray that you help us find those opportunities to serve and just give us confidence um, to serve and to do the things that you call us to, Lord, just all for the purpose of glorifying you, um, glorifying the church, glorifying the body of Christ today, Lord. I'll saw these things in your son's name. Amen.